Hey everyone, just want to let you know before we get into the show, we have recently started a Patreon page for our podcast. There are three different tiers with a couple of benefits. Uh, you can find more details on the page itself, and that is at patreon.com slash leftmediapodcast. And we greatly appreciate the support for our show. Uh, again, that is patreon.com slash leftmediapodcast. Uh, and we appreciate you. Thanks, everyone. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Left Media Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Mitchell. And I'm Mike. And we're coming to you from an undisclosed location on Tatooine today to, to bring you this episode. A little lame-ass Star Wars joke for you there, since we're going to be doing Solo today. Real excited about it. Alright. Very, very good. Um, I really enjoyed Solo. Yeah. And, it, I mean, I understand that there are people who mm-hmm. do not. Um, but I, 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 unapologetically, I think that it was amazing. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It it surpassed all all ex- expectations. It was <clears throat> um, hot take here. Hot take. I'm gonna say it was better than the Last Jedi. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I can say that because Last Jedi was so well-rounded and it just had so much going on Fair. Um, Fair. that I thought it filled the time better. Mm-hmm. Um, the pace was a little better, I thought. But really? Because I thought, I thought the pacing of, of, of Last Jedi is what kind of undid it for me and, and really? let, let, let Solo. I, I didn't get bored at, at any moment throughout Solo. Okay. I uh, almost near that at the end of the second hour, I was like, "Okay, it, it doesn't have to be two hours and twenty three minutes because it's an origin story, yeah, based on an individual." So it's like, I thought that was a little long, and then uh, 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 some sort of big reveal in a sense that we'll talk about here in a little bit happened, and I was totally engaged again. Yeah, so. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was only for about five minutes that I was bored, um, and then somebody new entered the fray, and I got super excited again. But um, but then we did not see where that went. Yeah. Yet. So um, so you know, I thought that kind of um, it, it definitely picked up the pace, but then kind of like ended a little bit suddenly to me, but. Um, I was blown away by it, be, and, it and it may help that we went in with, with not the highest of expectations. That's for, for that's Star what to Wars do, film. man. Because everybody it goes is. in, and all these fans or, or self proclaimed fans go in with these expectations that that it's gonna be this like perfect movie, and and they're somehow let down and and they they just shit all over it and it's tough because i do that i mean i get it you know sure i i I do that with certain films um with certain books or film adaptations of books um you want it to be a very certain way i've done it with albums you know if like one of your favorite bands or artists or something is coming out with a new album you have all these really high hopes and you want it to be 
perfect, and then if it's not, you know, it's it's it, you know, it's a letdown. But um, <clears throat> with with this with these films, I really try. I make a, a real effort every time I go to see one not to walk in with with too detailed and specific um, expectations of what I think it should be. And that is, I think, the way you have to approach Star Wars, especially in this day and age. Yeah. And it, I think it also helped that so many people shit on it, and it, it really, like, gave me low expectations. So because of everybody else's low expectations, because it's it's the... the um, out of like the most recent ones, I mean, you can talk. We could talk about the prequels being like the most kind of subpar out of the out of the entire saga. Um, but certainly, but out of like everything that's come out within the past few years with Rogue One, Episode Seven and Eight, all like Disney stuff, right? Um, Solo has has unfortunately been the the one to suffer the most, unfortunately. Um, and, and Critically, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, right. And, and it, it just kind of, I mean, I was even contemplating not even going and, and, and seeing it and just waiting for it to come out on DVD because I, I suppose it's, it's, it, it, it's about wrapping up. It's, it's time in, in theaters and should be coming out on DVD. I, I would assume fairly soon. Right. Um, and I had to nearly fight you on the, yeah, ba- on the yeah. basis of, <laughs> Of going to see it yeah. because I wanted to see the Millennium Falcon on a big screen. Absolutely. And you said after the film, what did you say about the Falcon looking? It, it was it was the the finest it's ever looked. It was visually the the Millennium Falcon has never looked better than 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 when it was. Oh, it was so fucking pristine, and it was just the 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 the. Like I've actually been to. Um, a, a kind of like life size replica. I was in Huntsville, Alabama, just on a fucking whim, through for a trip with my uncle, and we stopped at the NASA Space Museum or whatever that is, and it was the same weekend that Force Awakens opened, and they had a, a life size Millennium Falcon cockpit just hanging out at, at the at the NASA Space Museum, and. We went inside it and it was fucking amazing and and so to like see like it it just like up on screen and, and I get like this was uh because in, in the later films it the, the, the Falcon is like more run down, it, right. it's it's more junky and, and even like Luke Skywalker he notoriously says, What a piece of junk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and god damn it just looks so fucking amazing in this movie. Yeah, I thought the uh the the technology was just really all looked really really good. Um I want to get into that a little bit, the visuals and the and the technology and and some of the other aspects about the film. First, I want to just uh give a rundown of the details of the film. Um it was directed by Ron Howard. Um didn't know that. That's incredible. I know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, I think I'm not sure if that was uh, supposed to be the case originally, or if he stepped in. I don't remember. Uh, I don't know if he was there from the start, but um, it was it was written by uh, Jonathan Castan, 
uh, Lawrence Castan, and uh, of course based on characters uh, created by George Lucas. Uh, it stars, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Alden Ehrenreich uh, as Han Solo, uh, Woody Harrelson as Tobias Beckett, Amelia Clark as Kira, uh, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, um, Dandy Newton as Val, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as L3, uh, Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, and I uh, hope I'm pronouncing this one right, Junus Sotamo as Chewbacca. I'm sure I butchered that, but um, uh, great cast. I really yeah. I, I thought I thought it was great. Um, and uh, I'll give you the plot here real quick according to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, quote, young Han Solo finds adventure when he joins a gang of galactic smugglers including a 196-year-old Wookiee named Chewbacca. Indebted to the gangster Dryden Voss, the crew devises a daring plan to travel to the mining planet Kessel to steal a batch of valuable coaxium. In need of a fast ship, Solo meets Lando Calrissian, uh, the suave owner of the perfect vessel for the dangerous mission, the Millennium Falcon. End quote. So, um, getting back to the cast... Uh, I, I I think there was maybe some concern about casting a young Han Solo in general. Yeah, apparently they even faced um, the 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 actor was heavily criticized for his um, performance, and then they like even went so far as to bring on like an acting coach. And if that's the case, um, that that acting coach did fucking wonderful. Whatever they did worked. I didn't have any problems with no, it. No, I thought I I man, I could just see there were so many similar mannerisms and 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 the the way he just moved and talked. I, Jesus, I could see a young Harrison Ford in that guy. Yeah, and I've and I've read some criticisms that disagree with that, but I I agree. I mean, uh I think, you know, I think it's uh I think he was great. Uh, loved uh, Amelia Clark, always do. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was great. I, I, I didn't even was, recognize her without the white hair and, and. I know it's wild seeing her in anything else. Yeah, she uh, she didn't give her breaker of chains thing, and and uh, I I discovered ninety percent of the way through the movie, I was like, oh shit, that's Khaleesi. How dope! <laughs> uh, Donald Glover was super cool. He's amazing uh, yeah, and everything. Uh, Woody Harrelson also pretty great and everything. Didn't know he was even in it, so oh, really? I was I was genuinely and and I knew he was in it, but I did not have any idea how that would really gel. Yeah, because you say Woody Harrelson in a Star Wars film, and it yeah, just it's, seems it's, kind of funny, but it does. It worked. Yeah, um, he was he was great. Everybody was was fantastic. It was it was a. A fantastic ride from from start to end. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know. I mean, like, I know there's there's going to be critics, uh, you know, and, and have already been because, you know, we're a couple weeks late on this. Um, but um, that that are just overly critical of it. But, man, I, I these movies, especially these, this, the Star Wars films, and especially the Disney ones, I think, are just supposed to be, an ex, you know, extension and kind of expansion of the worlds that we knew and characters that we knew and they're supposed to be fun so Mm -hmm. 
I think it was a lot of fun. Served its purpose. I also was really impressed by a lot of aspects of the film. So, um, I think that you know we talked a little bit about uh, after the film when we, when we were leaving the theater about um, how there were maybe almost overexposed to these Star Wars films these days because. I think people are, 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 are being a little more critical with each one, too, because um, we're getting so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? this is the fourth one in, I think, three years. And so, you know, we we now have uh, almost a surplus of them, and we can be a little bit more uh, picky, and we can kind of, you know... I think that people were really critical of the, of the uh, you know, episodes one through three, and yeah. rightfully so rightfully so um, and I think there are honest and good critiques of the newer films but I also think just because this is um, they're being put out with I think the most frequency of any of them um, I think maybe we didn't we don't you know appreciate the the Star Wars experience as much it's the novelties worn off I think as you said and not for me. I don't think it ever will. So. No, it, it it'll never wear off because I, I I've seen three through six so many times as as a, as a kid, as a teenager, and as an adult, and um, I don't really revisit the the one through three unless I'm I'm feeling like really really into to like enjoying the 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 saga as a whole, which happens every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I'll it, watch it, the last it's fun. one. Yeah, it's it's just fun to to, to go back and 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 marathon all of them. Um, we you can do the same with the Hobbit and the Hobbit series, and and then the Lord of the Rings, and yeah. sometimes it's just it's just fun to to, to chronologically watch them. Um, where was I going with that? I've I've forgotten my point totally. That the novelty will not wear off. Oh yeah, okay. As so, far as Star Wars, because. Right. Um, You've so, seen them a ton, and uh, yeah, I've seen them a ton, and and they're just it. It's 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 just it's fucking Star Wars. It's yeah. it's never. Um, now I'm not as as like a, a super fan as 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 some folks are to to watch like um, the the animated Clone Wars series. So maybe like with with the super fans that that like get that heavy into it, maybe that's where. Um, some of this like novelty is kind of slowly dying off because we are getting so much and they're just overexposed to it. Yeah, and we're gonna. I, I want to bring that up a little bit. The, the as as you know as it pertains to just the story because I did a little bit of research after after we saw the film and I think the clone the animated Clone Wars film and a couple of books and maybe comics as well help explain um, some of the characters showing up that showed up that were, we were a little bit confused over and stuff. So I want to explore that a little bit uh, later on. But uh, but I agree, I have not read every book and seen everything. But it, it, just from a purely cinematic perspective, I just, there's something about going to the theater uh, to see a Star Wars film. And it, it's that's just, just always gonna yeah. be amazing. Whether the, the, I mean, I'm I'm sure had I did I I myself didn't go see any of the uh, one through three in theater. I might have seen the first one in. You theaters. didn't go as a kid. No, um, I I might have seen the first one, and and then. 
kind of got disillusioned because it. I, I still enjoyed the first one. It just really wasn't what I was looking for. Even as a as a kid, it it was just kind of um, they kind of lost me. I, I I've always I think everybody's kind of always attracted to bad guys in in films, um, and I I I wanted more out of Darth Maul, and they killed him off so quickly, and I was just kind of disillusioned with that and and uh i just didn't really care for the the racing stuff that they did in the first one and so um but i'm sure as as a cinematic experience it it's still amazing yeah i mean i i didn't like it as much but i as a kid i don't remember how how old i was but um when the first one came out i'm pretty sure i had like a it was 99, I think. Okay, so I was 8. So um, I'm pretty sure I had like a Star Wars birthday party or something wow. about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was pretty into it. Um, but I think a lot of that was just due to the fact that there was a new Star Wars film in my lifetime, and that was the first one in my yeah. lifetime. And uh, I had watched the others uh growing up so um there's a like a somewhat like i guess like a cultural impact there too um so about you know uh, some some of the things about this film i think it was an expensive film and i think you could tell um it was something like 250 million dollars spent which is one of the most expensive films wow um And they were hoping to get five out of it, and they got three hundred something, nearly nearly four hundred million now, at the box office. And I don't know why they're saying it's such a financial flop. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think well, I think it's because Force Awakens was such a huge box office smash that yeah, that, but but it it still did. Solo still did like 101 million dollars opening weekend or some shit. I mean, that's insane money. It was still it was still a success. It just people when they say that are speaking kind of you know relative to the other few uh, in recent years just breaking records and stuff. Right. Um, I mean, it's it it's. I don't want to say it's not. It's a non-linear film because it is linear in 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 aspect to like the actual Star Wars timeline, but it's it's it it's a it's a B plot movie, so it it's it's not advancing like the 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 trilogy as a or the the saga as a as a whole. It's just it's it's a it's a small little chapter, and that's fine for what it is. For what right. it made, that's probably huge. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, you could argue that maybe $250 million is too much to spend on something that doesn't advance the plot, um, and I hear that, but um, it's made almost $400 million, I think, at the, at the box office now, and, and they wanted five out of it, I understand, but, um, I, I mean... Well, they got their money back and then some. I, I can't, you know, speak uh, for for, you know exactly what the studio feels about it but i i think uh i i feel like um the criticisms of it not advancing the story uh i hear that but i'm i'm okay with it i still went 
and spent my money on it and yep. had a good fucking time. And, Great time. And, uh, you know, we're sitting here talking about it. So, uh, yeah, impromptu at that because, like, I didn't go in thinking, like, we'd, we'd make an episode out of it. Yeah. Uh, like, I posted on, on Twitter, um, this is, we, I mean, but a minute or two into the film, like, they, they, they hit us with some shit, and, and I think both of us whipped our phones out and were like, well, let's, let's go ahead and take some notes on this. Right. See what we can make of it. Um, the look reminded me of, like, a Total Recall, like, the original Total Recall and, and Blade Runner, like, 80s, 90s sci-fi. Um, yeah, especially I the first, you know, the first part. Yeah, I thought they did super, super good because one of the one of the problems with going back and and doing the prequels in a, in a time where technology was more advanced, like a lot of the criticisms for one through three was that it was set further back in time, but it looked more advanced mm. than what three through six did. And I thought that they did really good. Um, because supposedly, uh, according to the timeline, this is uh, supposed to be like a decade before Han Solo meets Luke Skywalker, so it's it it doesn't look as futuristic as as what three through six should, but it, it's just enough to where you can like slowly see like images creeping in, like the 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 um, the stormtroopers are have the same kind of uniform, um, the the. Uh, the big ass ship looked exactly the same, but there was also like stuff in the background, like the the car that he or the whatever you want to call it, space car thing that he steals and and has Speeder, the maybe? yeah the has the the chase in looked pretty pretty close to what that speeder Luke Skywalker had in in A New Hope. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it was all just kind of like it it didn't look too advanced, which I thought was was a, a really good eye for him because again it that was a lot of criticism for the for the first three movies that it, it just looked way more advanced when it's 30 years before um a new hope is supposed to take place yeah and i think that's a good point um i think that uh that if you look at the, the 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 technology inside of the the the, the Millennium Falcon, um, it almost to me looks like it's like early. It's like nineteen sixties, early nineteen seventies. Like you know the 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 paneling and and just everything around the technology as well, um, and the screens themselves, um, and the lights and everything looked almost like something that would be of that technological era of, you know, that the 70s, you know, mm -hmm. the early 70s or so, which is interesting because, you know, in 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 the late 70s they were making these original Star Wars films and they had to use I think a lot of that as a as a as a jumping off point mm -hmm. because you know, they, they took what they had technologically and, and tried to make it uh, look and seem more advanced. And so I think I noticed that, and I, and I, and I think, I don't know if it was very purposeful or, or what, but uh, it seemed almost a little bit early 1970s in the... Would, in would, the yeah, you could, and then you could parallel that with, with Lando's um, kind of outlandish <laughs> kind of kind of wardrobe uh yeah I, I i absolutely loved his wardrobe it was it was so 
bright and 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 just fitting for him and and what we know of him. I yeah, I, I thought Lando was was probably the best dressed of the. I mean, everybody had super cool costumes. Um, Han was dressed great, um, but even like when you saw Lando uh, staying in the ship. Um, when they were on Kessel, I believe, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like recording his chapter five of his <laughs> his memoir or whatever. Um, his feet were kicked up, and he was wearing that yellow shirt, and he had like the the like the the burgundy socks. Yep. Under his, you know, you could see his socks were even like uh, really complimenting his uh, his shirt, and in contrast, kind of that yellow. M- mustard color almost in that the the burgundy socks and everything and yeah he, he yeah. had it you know he had it he was going, rocking it for going sure on, man yeah so yeah i, I also, thought the costume design was was fantastic yeah um and also just photography and cinematography yeah and and the color Always. schemes and everything yeah i think with lando specifically um he was always wearing the the different like yellow tones mm-hmm. and uh the uh the place where they went to find him was like that big abandoned like ship of some sort yeah. or, or whatever like a shack or th- I don't know it looked like a big ass pirate ship to okay. me okay but I, I don't really know but but when you got in there it was that kind of atmosphere too I really I thought it was interesting that everything was lit with like yellow lantern type okay. things right and then the actual structure was kind of a deep blue or gray or something Um, and I just thought that the contrast of colors there was really interesting and uh, I thought the tone was really kind of it had that yellow film um, kind of color structure and tone overall because Lando was wearing the yellow and um, you know the cards that they were playing with were like yellow and green and, and dark blue and you know, and so if you look at like that whole scene, I thought it was beautiful because yeah. um, uh, everything was so kind of cohesive as far as the the color elements. You know, um, the way he dressed, the cards, and the and the and the um, everything that was put in the middle at the poker game. Right. You know, I say poker, but it was I can't That's what remember. it looked like. I can't remember the name, but yeah. it. Um, it's a it's a specific game that they had and um i just thought it was cool because even you know han wearing the blue the kind of navy blue when he was when he's walking in kind of mirrors all of the yellow and 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 deep blue um and and and, you know contrasts the the lanterns and everything really well you're i just you're no you're gonna notice some damn color ain't you yeah, man. I mean, it's it's part of it to me. You know, it's like that because it helps set the mood. I think. Sure. You sure. know, and so um, nothing had been um, nothing. I think had been that way yet in the film, and and so to me, when something appears in a different, you know, kind of color scheme, it's 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 a shifting of the of the uh, kind of the feeling of the film too yeah i um, I, I, I guess kind of keeping with the with the colors a little bit but also shifting towards favorite shot i thought all of the colors that were used to create like the 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 the, the maelstrom 
Mm-hmm. And then when it was on Castle, yeah, yeah. When it was when it was sucking in Cthulhu, and then you had yeah, which I uh, thought was so cool. Yeah, and it like peeled the skin off. Too. Yeah, I mean, like, it was like, like not only did you have nasty, like like man. that fucking thing, the the maelstrom churning around and and looking fucking bright and orange. Then you had fucking Cthulhu getting sucked in and its skin ripping off. And then you had like this tiny. A little fucking blip of 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 uh, the the falcon and it's it's little blue light and 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 trying to to escape it and and I thought that was such an amazing shot. It was yeah. such a, a cool blending of colors. I don't really remember what color Cthulhu was. Kind of a kind of a bluish, grayish. You could say purple. I think. Okay. And and that again kind of is is a cooler contrast to the um, and the, to the um, to the orange and and, yeah. and everything around it. Yeah, I think that, it, it, it it all creates a tension and uh you know that was that was my favorite shot of the of the whole film. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, I I think mine was probably something from the heist, the original heist, um, the train heist. Okay. Yeah, because. That could have been out of a out of a James Bond film. It sure could have. I mean, that could have been out of the way that they like m- like actually moved the train so that it like tilted over to the side. I and, know, and, like bending around a mountain. I thought that was fucking cool as shit. I thought, yeah, I couldn't figure out if if it was if the if it was coming off the rails or yeah. if it was falling apart it or would just contort to, or if it to was whatever yeah, purple, the mountains did yeah if it was meant to do that but i thought so too i thought like you know damn if that were 3d like i would feel like i was on a on a on a ride of some yeah. sort you know but um yeah i thought that was super cool uh i the blowing up of the bridge yeah um, yeah i i uh we're going to start getting into some spoilers here so um you know, that just just beware. Um, when uh, when uh, I think her name was Val mm-hmm. died, um, uh, and that bridge blew up. I mean, I thought that was that looked that looked great. I mean, it was that biggest explosion against the the, the snow and mountains. Um, I thought the transition from the war torn area they were in. Um, the black and gray smoke and clouds and gunfire and flames and everything, um, transitioning right to the um, to the, the snowy mountains yeah. to the heist was cool, um, and I thought the big explosion um, when the uh, coaxium was dropped that was amazing and yeah like split that mountain up I thought that looked great the way um, it like kind of bubbled up. And the fucking sound of it too yeah. was—it almost like imploded too. But right. it was, yeah, it was it was dope as shit. The the effects and and whatnot were were on point. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was uh, it was all really really cool. Um, I think uh, you know, the, visually it 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 really. I guess I shouldn't say surprised me because there was a lot of money spent on it and it is a Star Wars film and they always um, you know turn out to be spectacles in that sense but um, yeah I really really enjoyed that Uh, and I think as far as you know the acting I I don't know if if, if I have a favorite scene Um, I 
thought everybody did very well, though. You yeah. Know, it's not because um, I don't think anybody uh, did well. I, maybe my, my – as far as acting is concerned, um, I thought when we were introduced to, to, to Beckett, uh, Woody Harrelson's character um, – I thought he he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he immediately had. Um, I was immediately convinced that it was okay that Woody Harrelson was in a Star Wars film, and it yeah. wasn't weird at all. You no, know, not at all. Um, he fit right in. And then I also think uh, the the um, once they're on the Falcon and she's trying on the capes, and uh, and then you know they Han and uh, and Kira have their little moment there. There's some tension. Um, I thought that was well acted. I thought initially when they ran into each other, um, this is, I guess, a bit of the writing, but a little coincidental that she would show up there. Yeah, a little bit. I get that. But but I thought the tension of, like, running into an ex almost, uh, but in a weird sense because, you know, um, of the circumstance. Sure. uh, I thought there was tension there, and I thought that was good. I thought they both... You know, did a great job, and I thought especially um, Amelia Clark. Uh, you could really read a lot of it on her face and, and the expressions, and um, a kind of sadness and um, uh, sadness of the circumstance. The mm-hmm. being with uh, with now with with Dryden Voss. Um, I thought you could you could sense a lot of that. So you know, as far as the acting, I think that's what I've got there. Yeah, I mean, I I you would had to go to the bathroom, I believe. Um, but there was a, a scene while you were gone that that particularly struck me with with um, when Chewbacca saw his his fellow uh, Wookies as as the little four armed creatures. Rio yeah. uh, said. Rest, rest in peace, Rio. Yeah, yeah, he was a good one. Um, he, the, the another Wookiee was was getting kind of like tortured and beat up on, and and Chewie had, was struggling with like, do I go with Han? Do I go? Oh, on Kessel. Yeah, no, I was there for that. Do I go? So well, well, after that, um, after they 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 saved each other, or well, Chewie went and rescued it, uh, the, the the his fellow Wookiee, a little bit. After that, after you had left, um, they kind of like worked in unison. After that, and then when they when they split up because Chewie had decided to to eventually, after he rescued that other Wookiee, to go off with Han, they they like kind of embraced and and like put their heads to each other. Oh, okay. And uh, I just thought that was that was a, a, a good sign of, of solidarity and yeah. and and uh, it it wasn't anything like well said or or it was it was just <clears throat> thank you for doing this good luck see you later yeah and it I, I just yeah no no words were spoken or anything they just kind of embraced and i thought that was super cool yeah um yeah i wish i'd seen that um i uh i think as far as the writing you know we've we've talked about the pacing um uh, and, and my little uh, critique of it being a little coincidental that she shows up in the same place sure. um, with the um, um, with Dryden Voss mm-hmm. uh, and Crimson Dawn. Yeah, you got a favorite line? Um, but 
No, I, I think, you know, I, I, could, I could probably say, um, I, I think probably when earlier on in the film, when Han is being like trained or indoctrinated into the military and, and they're dropped on that planet and they say, we have to install a regime that's friendly to the emperor. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we get rid of the hostels or, or, or something like that. Um, and then he replies with, uh, quote, it's their planet. We're the hostels. Yeah. You know? That's um, my favorite line. Oh, is it? For sure. Uh, so I, I, I really like that partly because it's political, you know, yep. of course, but, uh, it's like, we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, the imperialism of, of mm -hmm. what is, you know, rightly called the Imperial Navy and Army and, um, working on behalf of the Empire here in a little bit, but, uh, that definitely, definitely highlights that. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, we need to rank this film. Yeah, we do. So, um, let's put it up against the other Star Wars films, because you can't really compare it to anything else. We'll do it overall. But we'll also do a genre-specific, but really, I think genre-specific should just mean specific to the Star Wars films. Okay. That's fitting. That's very fitting. Yeah, my R2-D2 text tone just <laughs> went off. Uh, my bad. That's all, all right. right. So are we doing two different rankings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One of them inside the Star Wars kind of like uh, series and one of them just as an overall film. Okay. How do you think it stacks up? One to ten against all of the other Star Wars films. One being Episode One. Okay. Ten being Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give that a solid, super solid nine. Very good. I'm gonna give it an eight point five. Fair. Super um, fair. Because I think Force Awakens and Last Jedi may be nines. And I think this was just a, not quite as well-rounded. Um, but, you know, they just didn't have as much to go on. Uh, overall, as just a film, compared to any other film, I would have to say maybe a 7.5 to an 8. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with an 8.5. Wow. Yeah, I dude, I, I fucking loved it. I, I did, was, too. I yeah. was there for the whole thing. Like, like I, I, I wasn't sure about going and, and seeing it, but... But once I got there and and it it started and and got rolling, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm here for this." Yep, yep, agreed. So uh, so let's jump into uh, some of the political matters in the right. film, um, or at least the things we've kind of extracted. Uh, I I thought there was a lot of uh, you know obviously economic inequality and, and economic struggle and class struggle involved. Yep. Um, I thought there was also, you know, within that, the extortion of labor. Um, there were definitely um, people taking advantage of others' labor um, and sending others to do the dirty work. Um, there was imperialism, as there is in uh, pretty much every Star Wars film. Yeah, um, it's pretty much the center piece of it. Right, uh, especially under galactic rule, uh, galactic empire rule. Um there, within that, we, we, we have an oppressive regime um, that we can talk a little bit about. Uh, and then there's this interesting kind of thread of individualism that runs through the film. Um, and, and especially when it comes to, like, Tobias Beckett, he's always 
reinforcing every man for himself. Um, and then uh, uh, there's, there's a little bit of bootstrap theory. Sure um, is. So, which kind of is is kind of in that individualist kind of thing. But uh, we'll just kind of go through these. Um, as far as economic inequality, let's just start there and class okay. divide and and uh, you know initially the first thing you see um, aside from a long time ago in a galaxy far far away is um, this little tidbit explaining that on the shipbuilding planet of Corellia, um, Lady Proxima basically. Uh, looks after and 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 you would say kind of holds hostage and enslaves all of these orphan children right yeah, yeah. um that uh, are made to to s- kind of scavenge and 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 um uh find things of value to her for them to be able to survive right um almost like the kind of how the barter system was um uh, well, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's also reminiscent of of uh, Ray on on her. That's what I was about to say. That planet barter of, system of, of Jakku and, and right. trading in the, the the pieces of this or that Scraps, for yeah. um, for the the portions of food. Right. That's exactly where I was going with that. So uh, I just couldn't remember the the uh, name of the planet. So thanks. Look at me. Look at me um, go. I did good. So you, you see that a lot in, in Star Wars. I think that's mm-hmm. highlighted on purpose. But um, it, it's, uh, you know, they're orphans and they're kind of under the um, the rule, I guess, of Lady Proxima. Um, Not and, for long. No. And, uh, and Han uh, is able to, uh, to procure this little bit of, of coaxium that is enough to buy um, to basically pay out their debts un- from under uh, Lady Proxima and and buy a ship and get out of there. Um, and uh, and you see this a lot, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but a lot of this film I think is about Han trying to figure out freedom and his own autonomy. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so... This is the plan. Um, he is caught and taken to Lady Proxima, um, who says, you know, you, you brought nothing back. And he says, well, I escaped with my life. You know, it's pretty important to me. And she's basically unimpressed. Yeah. And they're like, well, that doesn't mean much to us, you know. No. In fact, uh, one of the lines is, uh, uh, quote, scum rats like, uh, co- coaxium is precious, scum rats like you come cheap. Uh, says one of her guards or 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 whatever uh, henchmen, which I know. <laughs> it's like uh, right out of the gate um, in this very dark place um, of Corellia, where uh, where they Han is from. Um, it, there's so much like. Yeah, class divide and oppression, and and, and just human and, lives just aren't valued the way they should be. No, no, not at all. And so, um, so you know, they uh, he he uh, has a little bit of a plan. Um, they uh, are able to cause a distraction and and get out of there. Um, 
they get to what I can only equate to be some sort of airport mm-hmm. um, space station thing where they're about to um, basically bribe one of the um, one of the people at the gate with um, that coaxium to let them through mm-hmm. and um, I thought it was interesting that uh, speaking of oppressive regimes, speaking of, of a little bit of the class divide and just the um, the mentality of, and maybe a little bit of the bootstrap theory as well, um, Kira says, um, you know, quote, out there with no protection, we could get uh, snatched up by traffickers, you know, um, and, and quote, and she's, she's, she's really concerned about breaking out of the structure that they've known, which uh, is really interesting because it's almost, in this case, um, it highlights, um, you know, their anxieties about uh, escaping an oppressive regime. And it also, to me, speaks to the uh, something as simple as, uh, in our current economy, a lot of people say, well, if you... Um, if you can't find a good paying job where you live, just move or if you, or just find another job or, you know, like it's an easy thing to do. And, and when you have no real resources and you were not, you did not begin at the same point, um, as many other people did, obviously they're not Han and Kira are not approaching this from a place of privilege. Yeah. Um, my, my, my favorite and I've, I've been hit with it by, um, Non-family, family, anybody, really. Well, if you don't like America, won't you just go fucking somewhere else? Like, yeah. if it was that easy, I mean, I probably would. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I don't, I don't know how that's that's ever like a viable solution. If I'm 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 fucking poor and struggling to pay my bills, you think I can afford to just pack up and? Well, and I find it funny that a lot of the people that say that kind of shit, especially uh, here in the South. Uh, were born. I wasn't making fun of you. I promise. Uh, no, <laughs> my accent. No, but. it's all right. No, I, I I find it interesting that a lot of the people that that say those things, uh, at least that we encounter here in the in the uh, American South, uh, were born and raised and work and will die in this region. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, you have your exceptions, but. Uh, a lot of people that are that that have faced economic hardship and that know how hard it is um, to uproot and leave your family and your you know if there's any support system or um, the even just the, the the place you grew up you know I mean it's it's not the easiest thing in the world and an opportunity has to almost be waiting on you somewhere else and you have to have the means to get there mm-hmm. for that to really work and and be real, a real option so um and they also like just kind of equated to like well well i slept in a dumpster and had a a fucking knapsack to my name the and and I turned out fine. Why can't you? And yeah. it, it just well, and that's where we go to bootstrap. Theory. Yeah, I mean it. It just it doesn't work that way for everybody. Some some folks get out of the garbage can. Some folks fucking die in it. Unfortunately. Well, and and, I, and also uh, I think it's it's 
very, very often the point at which these these people who tug so um, vigorously on their bootstraps to end up where they are exaggerate where they be- began. Yeah. Um, I, 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 a lot of a lot of of people um, that I've known say I grew up poor and they don't really know what poverty's. Uh, uh, you know that they don't know. Um, that there's other levels of that and that, you know, um, they kind of think that their experience is, um, universal. And if they grew up in something that they called, uh, one thing, which may, may have been some semblance of, of, of poverty or some variance, um, then that the 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 order of of events that allowed them out of it um, applies to everyone somehow. Yeah, you know? I mean, I recognize like the fact that that I'm I'm pretty poor, but I also have a a, a fallback, and I I have I, I have nice uh, amenities like a like an iPhone and and a and a PS4, and and I don't have health insurance, but I have these things, so. It, it's like, well, and health insurance costs uh, what a PS4 does, but every month. So right. <laughs> so, um, um, it it's just like you can you can be poor, but you can also have like, well, you live in the you, time you live in and the place you live in. Yeah, I mean, and, and you just a lot of folks have have uh, people to fall back on a, a lot of times, and whereas like most don't. And especially um, people who don't belong to, you know, speaking as uh, white males. In exactly. A sense, we, we have to understand that um, we're really not operating in a system that oppresses um, no. th- th- those groups. And so um, it's very hard to admit for a lot of people that they, um, you know, haven't made it self-made men against all odds, you know, um, just based on being... Um, born into an environment that oppresses certain groups and not others um, mm-hmm. begins with a, 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 a very unequal, um, you know, platform. So, uh, anyways, you know, it's just that uh, I thought that quote was interesting because I thought it highlighted some of the anxieties of um, of people not necessarily starting from from a place of privilege orphans from this planet who are scavengers to survive on this planet um uh going out on their own you know um and so i thought that was interesting um before we get too much further into uh, what i see you have there uh did you pick up on the on the propaganda for the for the empire what what uh, what basically uh the the little service message that that basically like I guess inspired Han to to join I thought that was fucking cool because we've never no seen. I don't think so yeah man it it was this like promotion or whatever for 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 what like basically led Han to to join the Empire to to fight for him for a little bit uh, I thought that was super fucking cool uh, it, it's shitty yeah. shitty regard uh, nonetheless like <laughs> uh, because it's a, what it was for but i thought it in in terms of like the 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 movie uh, i thought that was cool because like we'd never really seen any kind of like recruitment 
uh, yeah, manners yeah, yeah. Or, or from from anywhere. Uh, you just there's just automatically people in in the empire and there's stormtroopers, this, that, and the other. So yeah. I, I I thought the I thought the propaganda video for for joining the empire was was super cool. Yeah, interesting take. Um, so I also think um, that. Um, the fact that this is all based on a kind of band of of thieves, I guess, that have to work for either in the beginning, the orphans for Lady Proxima, or um, later on, um, the the group um, that is kind of at the core of the film has to work for um, to pay off their debts to uh, Crimson Dawn, you know, and and Dryden yeah. Voss. I mean, it shows that. Um, as we've seen and, 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 and you mentioned uh, in other films that the um, the galaxy is wrought with uh, class divide mm-hmm. and, and I mean and like he, it even goes on to, to uh, divulge the information that, that Han comes from a working class family himself yeah. that his dad built ships on that planet I know I know I love that part um, you know when he walks into the to the Falcon and yep. he says you know my dad worked on the line before he was laid off yeah, right. I'm like, man, that's uh, that that's, got me. That's out of a, a Bruce Springsteen song or something, you know, like um, about just factory work on the line. Yeah, and, but in uh, in relation to Star Wars, that yeah, that got me too. That's a great point. Um, I I love that, and I and I it just you know, it shows that uh, that you know, like we're talking about. I mean these these issues are highlighted all throughout mm-hmm. and I think that's so cool um, but uh, the the labor part of this I mean is is really we've kind of already discussed that but somebody is being exploited at pretty much every turn um, so you've got uh, Han and Kira and the rest of the orphans working uh, and being exploited by Lady Proxima, and then again we move to that that you know Beckett and the the, mm-hmm. the rest of them um, when they make uh, a deal uh, later in the film to have to go to Kessel and uh, and and get this really dangerous unstable um, uh, resource of, of coaxium. Um, I mean, they're just they're being exploited, mm-hmm. you know, and it and it's because there's a debt that's held over their head um, by by Dryden Voss and the uh, the Crimson Dawn. So, I mean, you know, that's very very relevant, I think, to to a capitalist system uh, in the sense that you're born into the environment and you um, you then have to you 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 almost immediately have this debt. Um, to the environment that they're going to exploit, and and uh, capitalists uh, are going to exploit and take advantage of, and um, and I think that that's very well highlighted at, at, at many different points in the film, um, the exploitation of, of their of their labor and uh, and of these uh, the, the, they're risking their lives doing dangerous things. Um, and whether that's in the Imperial Army or Navy, whether that's um, uh, on behalf of, of the Crimson Dawn to go um, 
to go and 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 get this coaxium you yeah know? i think that it's uh i think that the exploitation of labor is is all throughout and i think that uh, has a lot to do with the class divide and there's you know it seems uh and i could be wrong but it seems as though maybe the empire is complicit in some of this because i don't know if they're directly profiting because you know and and we'll kind of segue into the imperialist and oppressive regime part of this by doing this but um uh i don't know if they're directly profiting or gaining from um the um crime syndicates and the way that they operate Mm -hmm. um as far as you know crimson dawn as a syndicate and formerly the pikes on kessel um but they're certainly allowing these these almost to take a page out of out of you know brett's book from the last uh episode or two episodes ago when he was talking about uh catwoman and the lumpen proletariat parallels there i you know could we make that a similar parallel to these crime syndicates such as crimson dawn and the pikes um you know doing that it's kind of operating on that same basis of not necessarily um on behalf of the empire but uh kind of within the structure that the empire created um for their own gain as as syndicates um i mean what do you, what do you think about that i mean is that do you think that's fair yeah uh, i just you know i think it's interesting i think we could explore that a little bit because uh and here's where some spoilers are going to start coming out. And the, the the big reveal near the end of the film is that Darth Maul is alive. And now I didn't know that. Apparently, in Clone Wars, you might have known that, uh, or in some of the other works, some of the books. But um, we were a little unsure as to how that was possible. I yeah, mean, he was, I was. He was cut clean in half. Yeah, uh, he sure was. Uh, he. We thought he was done for. Right. And and again, this takes place just ten years before Han meets. Luke Skywalker. So Darth Maul sh- should be dead about 20 years or so, give or take. <laughs> yeah. So it's like what is I guess strange is that um you know, he shows back up um after his uh Dryden Voss is killed and now Kira is reporting directly to Maul. Right now, apparently, the Crimson Dawn was an organization, a crime organization, a crime syndicate um, that was started by Maul and uh, and Dryden Voss. And Voss, of course, instead of Maul, was the face of it. Um, uh, and this was kind of after everything took place uh, in the prequels. Um, but I, I'm a little bit unclear on how these syndicates, um, because there was, uh, there was also a a very brief partnership with the Pikes that are on Kessel, right? Um, that have the other coaxium between Maul and the Pikes, uh, and then that split and the Pikes remain on Kessel and Maul went to start the, uh, the Crimson Dawn, um, 
and and uh, and operate that kind of uh, independently. I'm a little bit unsure of how that relates to the empire. If they if they act in any way on behalf of the empire, mm-hmm. or just the empire kind of al- allows them, or the structure of the empire allows them to exist, or if um, I am, it's almost alluded to sometimes that they do some of the dirty work for the empire. I'm not sure that's the case, um, but I I almost feel that that's alluded to. Um, please, if you're out there and you have the answer tweet us about it and let us know but uh it, it gets a little bit interesting there so you know i don't know maybe lumpen proletariat just going off of that that dark knight rises critique um that was great uh so wh- i mean what do you think what do you think the relationship is that's that's a that's a really good question um it 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 is hard to tell because like it, it's kind of hard to put it into a a, a real life parallel because while in 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 star wars like you said the uh, crimson dawn does kind of act on on behalf of of the empire if if you wanted to equate it to a real life scenario i i guess we could picture any kind of organized crime outfit um the 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 mafia for for uh, for example um you don't really see like any kind of like um, cooperation between like the mafia and then the United States government. So and 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 the obviously like we could compare the mafia to the Crimson Dawn, the Empire to the United States government. But the the I, I mean innately the mafia and 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 the U.S. government are always opposed and working opposed to each other. Whereas in in uh, in, in Solo, the like you said, they they, they do kind of have a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, whereas in the real world, it's it, it so so it it, it kind of gets a little muddy there. Um, so I don't have an exact answer, but but what I just gave, I, I think, kind of like helps maybe. Yeah. Um, well, what was Maul's original role in the prequels? Like, who was he working on behalf I of? I mean, believe it was in in favor of of the Empire, and and, and yeah, and because it, 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 it yeah it had to have been because it was it was for uh, the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, but, little did we know it was Palpatine at the time. Well, that's what I was going to say is if you if you you make that connection at the time he was a senator, was right? Senator Palpatine. So there is a way that you know it still links up um, to be kind of like you said mutually beneficial. You have to wonder um, how much that connection was was severed or 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 if it still exists um, because if he was working on behalf of Palpatine. Um, who's you know the sith lord right um then you kind of have to uh who's still operating we have to assume when solo takes place palpatine yeah 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 so um through yeah so you know yeah because this is this is all this is like i said this is 10 years before han meets right um so yeah so i mean uh you know we have to assume that Maybe there's still some connection between Maul and and the crime syndicate of um, 
Crimson uh, yeah, Dawn yeah, I would, and, I would, and, I would and Palpatine. Assume. I mean, I, I don't know if, if it's very clear, but um, again, that's a that's a really kind of an interesting little area to explore. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they could be considered lumpen proletariat because, like, usually in in, in instances of um, most lumpen proletariat, the there there is no mutual right. Uh, kind of relationship there the the, the lumpen proletariat in the real life are, are are drug dealers and 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 just and like people gang, yeah gangs just, and stuff, just gangs and yeah. in, in, in general um and and the government cracks down on them the most whereas in in um the the star wars setting it that there's just they they kind of use right. one another Right. So yeah, I mean that's a, that's a great question. I just I just don't really know if there's like a, a, a I know a I know clear cut answer there. And that's why you know I'm I'm just kind of still working through it. But um, that's the only thing I thought of is like it reminded me of that of that critique of the uh, of the lumpen proletariat, which it doesn't exactly align. But um, the fact that they're portrayed as this independent to some degree crime syndicate operating on their own. I mean it's kind of um, now I guess we could maybe take it a step further and kind of get into like a, 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 a hypothetical situation to where if the Empire got in the way of Crimson Dawn trying to make money or, or this, that, or the other, or vice versa, um, I guess that's when they would uh, could become diametrically opposed to one another um, and, that, and that relationship would, would be severed there but we don't have any like kind of they they don't like get into that any right um but yeah great question overall yeah i'm I'm still sorting through it i'm not sure what that relation is and uh so i don't know very interesting um so you know i i also i think that the the ease in which he was accepted to the uh to the uh military was kind of frightening. Yeah, yeah. They're just, just like, they just all right, let, I'll just let, give you a fake last name and just let you in. Let anybody in. And then they just, that, uh, I guess he failed the academy, so they sent him to to the front lines. In yeah. The army. Um, which is, uh, I mean, that's 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 you know, exploitation of of labor in a sense. Yep. Um, and it's the uh, obvious, you know imperialism that is all throughout the imperial uh, military structure in in, in uh, the yeah, I think, galactic empire rule I think I, I wanted to I, I wanted to kind of get into that because um, while I love solo as a film I love Star Wars as a film I love the franchise but we the 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 critique of of this overall i would have to say of of if if we want to zoom out and and critique um disney like like we all did with with christopher nolan and his lack of um knowledge of the left and whatnot i think i think there are, are two main critiques of disney that we could easily do one um we see with l3 there's there's a lot of that um kind of parallel to to like bane and with with yeah i thought l3 had a lot of revolutionary potential yeah yeah she was great i loved her in the movie but 
I, I don't know if um, I, 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 I kind of wondered if it was supposed to be like satirical in a sense um, much like we uh, prior to this we watched <laughs> all of Korg's best scenes in uh, Thor Ragnarok yep. and and wondered if, if, if it was like the writers or whatever were, were doing a, a uh, satirical take on a on a revolutionary yeah um and just kind of made him lovable in a oh there's our there's our favorite revolutionary yeah um so so again like some of this dialogue um ends up ringing hollow because we don't know if if uh, the writers actually take it seriously or not um the other thing i think that that's that's bigger is is this whole like anti-imperialist stance that all of these characters take within the film and and this like sympathy towards the working class in the film but disney's just as 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 guilty in in, in exploiting their workers mm-hmm. um everybody i i mean they i'm i'm sure they employ hundreds of thousands of people that are um still suffering and 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 living under um terrible living conditions and not getting paid enough and um and i mean with the money that they have i mean they they just fucking bought fox uh so they're 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 scooping everything up that they can and uh they're i'm not sure where they could like actually like intercede in imperialist stuff i don't fucking know if they even could but it it i'm i'm sure they benefit off some imperialism uh because everybody does well and i think that if we're talking about the growth of capitalism the expansion by way of imperialist u.s powers and disney i think that disney parks and themes and products in all of these other countries is the way that they would benefit off of an imperialist uh, power so um you know they've got parks elsewhere they've got products all over the world um i don't want to level them with any claims or, or or any accusations because i don't know what the workers conditions are or anything but um you know, we have to be very careful to think about where everything is made that is a Disney product. Um, there, it's very possible that in this um, current uh, situation, um, and, and with kind of like um, global kind of capitalism and imperialism working hand in hand, um, I think it's very possible that um, some products that carry that name could be made uh, in terrible conditions. Uh, of course, again, we don't know that. Um, we'll do a little research on that, on Disney and uh, the ethics and the labor and, and, and so on. Um, but I think you're right. I think there's, at some point, any major you know, multinational, I guess, corporation and conglomerate is going to have benefited from um, imperialism and 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 uh, those kinds of um, structures that are you know in place now across the world. 
So, uh, good point. And I think they spent two hundred fifty million dollars on um, on something that really portrayed a lot of sympathy for a working class rebellion uh, against an imperial power. Uh, and they themselves, you're right, I think, have benefited from um, imperial powers. Well, according to this article uh, that I just googled, um, well, my phone's being being tricky with me at the moment. There we go. Um, apparently, products are made in China. Um, I'm going to read you this quote. This is by the China Labor Watch. Um, the manufacturing process of Disney toys in China is a process of oppressing Chinese workers at the Xinjiang Toy Factory in Dongguan, uh, Guangdong province, where frozen products are manufactured. Many thousands of workers labor every day for 12 hours. Well, there you go. So, yeah, point made. <laughs> um, so so I, I think that's a good I'll, point. I'll, I'll be sure to, to um, add this article... Uh, in the in the show notes for for everybody to read um yeah i think that it's a it's a great point about how um imperialists and capitalist powers can use their money and reach to um kind of buy or some cheap attempt at, at buying working class sympathy uh by by creating something that is a working class uh, rebellion story. Um, whereas, I mean, they're, they're benefiting from it the, the whole time. It, yeah. it, it's much like, like, I mean, it, everything is, is, is a commodity under capitalism. Uh, che, che Guevara's shirt is, is, is the, the historical re- figures of, of revolutionaries put on a shirt to make fucking money. Um, I think Karl Marx would turn in his grave being that he's in, in uh, he's now printed on money over, I think, in Germany, I want to say. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so, I mean, <sighs> everything is commodified under capitalism. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really interesting that the on Kessel, the mining... They enslave Wookiees and droids yep. to do all of the mining, um, uh, and so that's that's interesting. I mean, you could get into the um, droid thing a little bit, being that they're, I guess, considered technology and not mm-hmm. beings. But I don't know. Um, the, the the a lot of Star Wars does a lot to humanize um, the droids, so. That's that's tough, um, you know. But I, I think uh, I think that you know that's another exploitation of labor in the in the mining, uh, the enslavement of the Wookiees and the droids on uh, on Kessel by the Pikes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see all that kind of thing: the imperialism, the class divide, and that structure um, used uh, to exploit labor um, everywhere in this film, and a lot in Star Wars in general. I want to touch on individualism and bootstrap theory just a little bit here. Um, you know, near the end, um, here's another spoiler, Beckett double-crosses him. And uh, on behalf of the Crimson Dawn and says, you, you know, to Han, you weren't listening. I told you, you know, it's like every man for himself kind of thing. And, um, and... Turns out Han and, and, and them were a little bit uh, ahead of Beckett as well. But nope. uh, uh, we won't spoil too much. Um, Han definitely shot first. 
Yeah, um, that that he did. Um, but uh, I think it's interesting that uh, earlier in the film, when Dryden Voss meets Han, uh, mm-hmm. he says, uh, "Quote: I admire anyone who can crawl their way out of a sewer." Uh, end quote. Rel- you know, kind of relating to how he. Uh, admire someone who can bootstrap their way out of out of a place like Corellia, yeah. you know um which is crazy i mean the, the the apparently the way that that Kira got out was um was because she was just kind of taken into another bad situation uh and one oppressive uh regime to another um from Proxima to uh um Crimson Dawn yep. but um some of that stuff is still, I guess, yet to be discovered uh, about Kira. Um, but I, you know, I thought that uh, that it's just the um, undercurrents of that individualism and and bootstrap stuff. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say on it, but it was there, and it was, you know, something to be critical of, I think, and. Um, I, I loved that there was a little revolutionary faction formed, um, uh, basically in out of solidarity amongst the the, the groups of, of I guess thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, near the end, I was bummed that Han turned down the offer to join the rebellion with him, though. Um, but yeah, it took him some time to join. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I, Han has 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 moments of of individualist or individualism as as well. We see right. like he uh, more so in in as as we go on to learn more about him in in episodes, um, or just I, I guess technically episode what would it be four? Yeah, four because it, at first he's he's just kind of out for himself for oh, yeah. for most of the time. Um, it, it's not as blatant in, in this one, um, except for in key moments. But um, ultimately, I guess his 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 main goal was be out for himself until he could get back to uh, his home planet to to get Kira. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, even even old Han was was a little bit of an individualist in, right. in in key times. And and you also saw, which was hilarious, but. You also saw that saw that Lando, uh, Lando, uh, Calrissian was exactly the same way. I mean, he sure was. I mean, yeah. he took off. <laughs> he, he was like, "Fuck your shit, I'm out of here." Yeah. Um. So, I uh, I think there that's kind of an undercurrent that, that that's just kind of all throughout the film. Um. And and I also just want to point out that I thought it was hilarious that Beckett, when he double crossed them, um, decided that. Uh, he 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 really didn't know where he stood based on uh, the fact that Han was one step ahead, um, which ended up putting him and and Crimson Dawn's little partnership and agreement in jeopardy. Yep. Um, and he kind of takes off, and uh, and before that he calls himself an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was just so funny. I thought you know that's. What an individual, like capitalist. Yeah. Kind of did thing. you think going to business for himself? Yeah. Did you think it, it was going to be uh, Lando that that was the double crosser? 
because no, I, I, I was got I thought they were kind of setting setting up for that because of of what his actions in later on Empire yeah. Strikes Back. So I was I was really anticipating Lando being the one to double cross him, and and was even more surprised that it was. That's a good point. No, I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be Beckett. Wow. Okay. I did. I don't know why, but I did. I thought okay. it was gonna be, I, I thought it was gonna be back. Well, you're smarter than me, so no, actually, nice. yours makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, <laughs> well, it thank would, you. It would be foreshadowing for the the other films. Yeah, I think I, I don't. I, I feel like it was. I'm, I might be wrong on that, but I think like I think because it felt like they drew it out a little bit longer. It's like, yeah. is it is it gonna be Lando? Is it because like that's what he did in right. in, in Empire Strikes Back? So I would I, yeah. I definitely thought they were setting up, and so it made it being Beckett even more shocking. Yeah, no, for some reason I did think it was going to be Beckett, um, because of like his rhetoric earlier in the film, I yeah. guess. But yeah. uh, that's a really good point. That would have been interesting. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, Really, that does it. I mean, there, there was a lot there. Um, yep. Uh, a lot of just kind of subtle politics, I guess, and, and, and different things throughout. But um, I, I think that, you know, I had a lot of fun with the movie. Absolutely. So, I was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a joy ride the whole time. Well. Um, Minus losing my wallet. That was shitty. Yeah, that's no good. But you got it back. I got it back, thankfully. Um Everybody seemed to do the right thing and, and, and return your wallet. Yeah. Um, so uh, next week, I believe we're going to do uh, an episode on uh, some of the music mm-hmm. of uh, Father John Misty. Yes. Really, what an, really what an excited interesting about. character. Um, we're, uh, we're just going to take maybe a couple of different songs and, and dissect them and and see what we end up with. Um, and so we're looking forward to that. Hopefully you'll tune in. Yep. And, uh, again, we appreciate you. Let us know your thoughts on Solo. Uh, and, uh, yeah, fill us in on, on any of the stuff that uh, we may be missing because we are by no means Star Wars experts. No, no, but, but not uh, by any means. We, we enjoyed the hell out of the movie, and it was fun to talk about it. For so, sure. Um, All right, well, we're signing off. Uh, We'll see you next week. In solidarity, comrades. (laughs) 